When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter, and we're here with the Tyrod era episode. That's right, because Tyrod Taylor started in Buffalo, uh, likely going to start again this week against the Commanders. We'll get to the Commanders game a little later. The Giants, though, held their own in Buffalo. Had a chance to win the game. We know the story. Blew the end of the first half. Final play. Incomplete to Darren Waller. Clearly a questionable uh, no call there as well. So a lot of what-ifs left from that game. But the bottom line is Giants were 15.5-point underdog. The single biggest underdog of any team this year. So that's where they're considered at in regards to talent and state of the franchise at the moment. Not in good shape. The offensive line, we'll get to Justin Pugh in a few minutes. Uh, him actually being... Asked to play left tackle says it all because, I mean, the dude hasn't taken snaps at tackle since 2015. He took zero reps at left tackle in practice this week and ended up playing pretty much the whole game in left tackle. We'll get to that in a few minutes, but I want to stick with the quarterback topic for a second because there's a lot of talk about Tyrod Taylor. He played better than Daniel Jones, you know, did or at least at the very least, it didn't look like much of a drop. And I think that's fair. That is true. There's no way around it. The Daniel Jones had not been good this year. And with Tyrod Taylor, the way he played, he looked similar, maybe even better than Daniel Jones has for the most part this year. Aside from that, outside that one half in Arizona, probably better. Now, some things worked in his favor. The offensive line kind of settled a little bit when Justin Pugh got in. Mark Lewinsky's back in. Uh, as much as you whatever you want to say about Mark Lewinsky, He's a veteran who's been a starter in this league most of his career. He could be competent. He had an awful game against Dallas, but he could be competent. Justin Pugh, you know, he's had started 120 games in the NFL. 120 games. So he knows enough where he, you know, he could get by and be competent. And now whether then the Giants start him at left guard, moves over to left tackle, right? So they helped settle the line a little bit. And Ben Bredesen's a competent NFL player, struggling a little bit at center, definitely a better guard than he is at center. But Ben Bredesen could play. So the Giants line against a, and I know they led the league in sacks coming into the game, that's not the same caliber defensive line that they have been playing. So that worked in Tyrod's favor. But the one thing you saw from Tyrod Taylor that we hadn't from Daniel Jones is his ability to hit and make these plays downfield, right? Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton. So you like what you see from him in that regard. But the reality is, if you watch Tyrod Taylor enough, and there's a reason why he hasn't been a full-time starter in this league, is that he'll be reckless, he'll make reckless throws, he'll make reckless plays, he'll put his body in danger, he'll be just reckless out there, putting him, and look, if you look at his injury history, when he has been a starter. So in the end, if he... He's out there again this week, and I probably expect him to start against the Commanders. You'll probably see some of the recklessness from Tyrod, and 
you know, the results will be pretty similar. He'll be under constant pressure, especially against that defensive line, and you'll see some mistakes. So we want to pretend like, you know, he's a better option than Daniel Jones. I think that's silly. Has Daniel Jones not played particularly well this year? Sure, we could say that. But if Daniel Jones is out there and we give him more opportunities and the offensive line is settled, I think we saw last year what he can be. He's a better option than Tyrod Taylor. I don't want to hear anybody tell me, oh, the Giants are better off with Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, maybe if we take into account the money part of it and say, who's a better bargain? Yeah, Tyrod Taylor for the dollar is probably better. Now, I personally wouldn't build my team if I'm starting a team around either of them. But when we're talking about the Giants and moving forward here, and Brian Dable's made that pretty clear, Daniel Jones is still the starting quarterback. And there shouldn't be any doubt in that. You know, Daniel Jones is younger. He has a better skill set than Tyrod Taylor. Uh, He actually had more success probably last year than Tyrod's had throughout most of his career. So there's really no no comparison. The Giants want to move forward with Daniel Jones. And you're saying, duh, we know that. But there are people out there saying, oh, well, you know what? The offense looks better with Tyrod. And maybe it did for one day. I think if we have a bigger sample size, the offense is better off in Daniel Jones's hands. That's the bottom line. When all said and done with a bigger sample size, you're going to be like, they're better off with Daniel Jones. So they need him to get back from the neck injury. I found it very interesting when Daniel Jones talked this week. He mentioned, he was asked specifically, he said it's not the same injury as it was two years ago. Two years ago, it was a disc injury. He was asked this time after he admitted to NBC that he had some discomfort in the left side and had, you know, uh, stretched down into his shoulder. So he was asked if it was a nerve problem. He did not say yes. He did not say no. He also made it seem like, you know, the symptoms were minimal at this point, and it was all about he had to be cleared for contact. Now, he's throwing at this point. He's back at practice, at least as of Wednesday. He was back at practice. He's throwing. We'll see how the rest of the week plays out. It just seems unlikely that you rush him back for this week. Next week against the Jets seems more realistic, which, by the way, uh, I mean, I don't care who's that quarterback against the Jets with the way the Jets' defensive front has been playing against this Giants' offensive line. Even if the offensive line settled a little bit, yikes, that could get ugly. So we sit here and wait on Daniel Jones. Uh, and my thing is, we'll get to this a little later, I you wonder why, like, why are they so secretive on what's the matter? It just creates, allows people to speculate on what's wrong with him, right? And it can make it, can make it out to be even worse. Like, you, you, you do hear people out there saying, you know what, this is going to, he's going to end up being out for the year like he was last time. Here's why I think it's different. Because I, I knew last year, uh, two years ago actually, when he had the disc injury, you knew he had a disc, disc injury. They didn't want to admit it publicly at the time, but they knew, we knew that was the problem. The reality was he probably would have come back that year. He would have got come back if, like, let's say it was last year and they were in the playoff hunt. He would have come back probably with two games left in the season. But the reality was they were bad at that time. The season was over. What's the use of bringing him back in week 15, 16, 17, whatever it was at the time, whenever he would have gotten cleared? So this is different. This is week uh, 8, 9, 10. So week 8, 9, 10, I fully expect him to be cleared. But we'll see how it plays out because the Giants have been very mysterious about uh, or have tried at their hardest to avoid saying what the actual injury is. I'm sure at some point we'll find out, but at this point, it has not been leaked out yet. Now, as for Justin Pugh, 
What a story, man. He comes back and resides. First of all, I'm thinking to myself, why would Justin Pugh even want to resign with the Giants? Team is bad. The offensive line's a mess. Why come to the Giants? Now, he said he's going to come, do two weeks, basically on the practice squad. Giants gave him the opportunity. He'll use it as sort of like a training camp. He's coming back from a major knee injury. See how he's feeling. See how he looks. Make a decision from there. But the Giants get so desperate on the offensive line that they say, you know what? Even though you only had one pad in practice, which was last Wednesday, we need you to start at left guard. Okay. That's his position. He's been playing there for years. He's ready. He's going to start at left guard. Goes out there. Has a couple snaps. Josh Azudu now gets injured at left tackle. Injures his toe. He's now on IR, by the way, Josh Azudu. They say, Justin Pugh, who we only asked on Saturday, or told on Saturday, the day before the game, that we're going to need you as our backup left tackle, then goes and moves to left tackle. A position he had zero snaps at in practice this week, okay? A position he had not played since early in his career. He had not played tackle at all. Five snaps, actually, since 2015. And he goes in. First few series are kind of rough. Says it was the cadence. Learning the, the silent count cadence is different. Some teams move faster. Some teams move slower. So it took him a little while to get used to give up a sack and had two false starts, I believe. But then the second half settled into the role. Looked serviceable. Mark Lewinsky at left guard. Started at right guard. Flipped to left guard. Looked serviceable. Ben Bredesen had his ups and downs. The right side, by the way, still remains the biggest problem with this team because it was Evan Neal who people think he was good. He still was below average. And Marcus McKeita, who, by the way, quietly has become the biggest liability on the offensive line. He's the worst of them. He's been the worst of them all. I believe he's 67th out of 70 guards in pass block win rate so far this year. But they were able to run some offense in the second half. Kudos to Justin Pugh. And uh, straight off the couch, you've seen it by now, went on uh, his Sunday Night Football introduction, went with the line straight off the couch, said he was originally fresh off the couch, gave the credit to Jalen Mayfield for going, no, 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 it's got to be straight off the couch. Jalen Mayfield, another backup Giants offensive lineman. So straight off the couch, he says, it's a big hit. Actually, pretty funny line uh, to do that instead of saying your university, Justin Pugh, straight off the couch, because the reality is it's true. He went from straight off the couch to starting for the Giants at left guard to starting for the Giants at left tackle. Now the Giants re-signed him. Here's what this is going to turn out to be. Pugh was not going to stay on the practice squad. He's a veteran. He's played in this league. He started 120 career games. If he was healthy, he was going to get a job with the team. Now he really wants to be with the Giants. I figure why not? If I were him, I'd go and I want to be on a team that has a chance to win the Super Bowl, you know, they need a guard, you know, the, the, the Bills, the Chiefs, whatever it may be. Something like that. The Niners, whoever needed a, le a left guard at some point this year. But he has this connection to New York. It's where he was drafted. And he really wants to be here. So I give him credit for that. So now he wasn't going to stay on the practice squad. The Giants were going to have to give him a contract. So they negotiated after that game because he was not. He was only going to take one elevation. Uh, you know, he, this is kind of, he made this clear to them before he came here. That's why he said it was a tryout. So when all said and done, he's going to get a new deal. It has per-game roster bonuses in it. It has, uh, uh, what was the other one? Playtime incentives in it. So Justin Pugh can earn about, 
you know, uh, an additional what, one one point three million dollars or something if he plays, uh, and if he plays throughout the season, right? The number of snaps he plays, uh, the number of games for each game he plays, and the each percent if he the percentage of snaps he hits, that will earn him more money as we go along here. So he got a deal commensurate with what a veteran guard coming back from a major injury would probably get on the open market. You know, a few million dollars, the, uh, the three, four million dollar deal, but then prorated because he didn't play the whole season. You know, he's going to get, you know, two, three, two, two, two and a half million dollars, something like that, if he plays the rest of the year. So that's the plan for him. And then ultimately, so the Giants offensive line is total mess right now. Okay. Evan Neal, injured, right? Dealing with an ankle injury. Who knows if he plays this week? You got John Michael Schmidt still out, not practicing. Andrew Thomas still out, not practicing. So they're probably at least another week away. At least another week away. All right. You have Josh Azudu now on IR. You have Matt Parrott, who has a shoulder injury and isn't practicing. That's five linemen I just listed. Okay. And you're talking about Neil. You're talking about, uh, we could count Azudu or Thomas, you know, as the left tackles. Uh, they're just, they're very shorthanded. So the likelihood is to get out here this week is Justin Pugh at left tackle, okay? Um, Mark Lewinsky at left guard again. Ben Bredesen at center. Marcus McKeithen at right guard. And right tackle Evan Neal if he could play. And if Evan Neal can't play, you'll have one of the new guys, probably Tyree Phillips because he already, who was uh, claimed off the Eagles practice squad this week, probably because he already knows the offense. So again, not ideal against a good Washington defensive front following week against a really good Jets defensive front. So the more we see Tyrod, the more we, or, or even when Daniel Jones is in there, we're going to see ups and downs. The only thing you want to see from Daniel Jones is you'd like to see him be able to take more of those deep shots that you saw from Tyrod Taylor. That's the one thing. Now, we'll finish up here before we get to the commanders. Uh, first, let me credit Bobby Okereke for just being awesome the other night. Dude, it was a stud. I mean, absolute stud. What was his final line? Something like 11 tackles, two for a loss. Two passes defending. One was tipped uh, for a interception by Micah McFadden, but that was all Okereke making the play. Another, a forced fumble, which was a great play of him hustling, getting over there, and intentionally knocking the ball out. That's the one thing you can look at from Joe Shane when you say uh, free agent signing, just free agent signings. That's the one that looks like it's going to be a hit for him, like his biggest hit. Like Mark Lewinsky, obviously, the previous year, not a great signing. Uh, Ashawn Robinson, Rakeem Nunez, Rochus, not looking great at the moment. But Bobby Okereke, that's the one you could say, all right, that's the impactful signing that this, that Joe Shane seems to have hit up. Now, as far as the bonehead end of the first half. So the Giants have the ball at the one-yard line, 14 seconds remaining. They end up running the ball, knew they couldn't do that. Uh, Saquon gets tackled. They lay on him a little bit. That's what you do if you're the defensive to teach you to do. Time runs out on him. Awful, awful, awful clock management. Potentially changed the outcome of the game, the whole tenor of the game. Could have been much different. To me, the thing that stands out, because, look, it's a terrible gaffe by Tyrod Taylor. And Brian Dable, after the game, admit it. It was Tyrod Taylor who made this alert at the line of scrimmage. You go to the line of scrimmage, you essentially have a run and a pass play, uh, and they're, they're getting ready to run the pass play. Whatever he saw... Don't know exactly what that was because all the gaps were, were kind of looked to seem to be filled. Uh, he alerts to the run. Okay. Terrible gaff. Quarterback who's been in the league this long. Silly mistake. Totally, 
100%. But I'm not going to go nuts about that because Tyrod Taylor is not a guy who's going to be here long-term. You're not building around him. It costs him the game. To me, the thing that I, if you're the Giants and a Giant fan that concerns me moving forward is that's something that the coach, all right, and, and I'm looking at talking about Brian Dable here in this situation and Mike Kafka, they have to make sure that they stress that to him. Because if you think about the way that unfolded, there's a pass interference penalty on the play before. So while they're sorting out the pass interference, everybody knows it's pass interference, while they're sorting out, the coaching staff should theoretically have extra time to specify to the quarterback what they need to do um, from the one-yard line with 14 seconds left. So make it clear, crystal clear to Tyrod Taylor in that situation. We need to throw the ball here. If you don't have it, just throw it away. We want to get multiple plays off here, okay? And if you want to run it the, the second play, and you know that's going to be the last play they have, that's fine. But you don't run it with 14 seconds left. And the fact that they did not make that clear to him, to me, is unfathomable. It's a big mistake. And then afterwards, we could sit here and debate whether Brian Dable should be laying Tyrod Taylor out like that and throw him to the wolves. Because my argument with that is, because he readily admitted that it was Tyrod's fault, not his. First of all, you're partly to blame for it. At the very, 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 very least. Okay? Second of all, you're not... Like, he does... The way he, Brian Dable approaches his media portion of everything is he doesn't say much. Very Belichickian. He's not really going to answer any questions. Now, he's done this a couple times where he's laid the quarterbacks out there. But my thing is, if you're not going to do it for everybody else, why are you doing it for your quarterbacks and putting them out there like that and putting the blame on them? So to me, the thing is, whatever your approach is, be consistent. I prefer just an honest approach. I think that's the best way to go. You're not hiding anything. Everybody already knows it when guys make, you know, glaring mistakes. They know it. Everybody knows it. You might as well just be honest about it. There's no reason to talk around it or lie about it. But then to only do it with Tyrod and your quarterbacks seems weird to me at times. Stick to one approach. That would be my only thing with that. Let's get on to this week's game. On to the next one. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, we're going to talk to John Kime, a little home and home. I just did his podcast now, and he's going to reciprocate and come on Breaking Big Blue here. He is our Washington Commanders uh, reporter. The beauty of uh, Washington 
Giants game, the the, the third and fourth the fourth place matchup. I mean, that's the, the perennial third and fourth place, fourth place matchup. That's what it seems like, doesn't it? It it is. If there was a bowl game, this would be like what, like what's <laughs> the the Army Bowl or something like that, where it's like you're playing in Maryland Stadium in front of twenty five thousand, or the one that you play on the blue turf in Boise. Or something. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I don't even know what that bowl is called. Whatever one that's called, that's where that's where we're in here. Uh, so, but the Commanders are sitting at three and three, so there is some hope for them. What's the general feeling about this team and where they're at? And you know, can they make or are, do people view them as a playoff contender, a real playoff contender, a real potential playoff team? What, what, are you talking the fans? The fans, I would say, they want to see more because. This is essentially the same kind of song and dance they've seen for a few years since Ron Rivera took over for the 2020 season. They, But I will say, after six games, this is the best they've been. The best previously was like two and four. So I don't think that people believe quite yet because they. I don't think they have confidence that this staff will get it where it needs to go. And they have. so you have to go out and win games like this. You have to go out and be, they play the Patriots in two weeks, you have to win that game. I think the stench of that Bears loss at home um, lingers with a lot of fans because it was like, see, it's the same old thing. And the problem with this team has been every the last couple of years, there's always like that one game every year where it's like, you win this game, the fan base is ready to embrace you again. The, the ownership change has been a big deal. Fans are excited for at least the future because you have an owner who maybe – can get it right because the previous one had no chance. And then like last year, they're ready to embrace. And then the Giants come in and win a Sunday night game. Then this year, the, they sell out. The Bears are coming in. This is a game where you're coming off like what was a tough loss to the Eagles, but you played well on offense and looked better. Had a chance. And then they and obviously went to overtime. Right, right. And then they lay a big egg against Chicago. And a lot of people are like, well, until, until I see more consistent Ws, they're going to be, they're going to withhold judgment and excitement. So I think there's that lingering, like, but if they can win this game, they can play New England in two weeks, then maybe you start to build momentum. But I don't think people are there yet. Now, I will say, do you mean they think they're going to beat the Giants, though? I mean, they are, they're, they're coming. No, no, no. Like nobody is two, two point favorites at this point. Right. And nobody, I think, then it depends on um, is, is, um, <laughs> is the all pro Daniel Jones playing this game because based on his career versus Washington, that's what he is. Like he earned that forty-some million based on his seven games against this team, Washington so, and Minnesota. Thank you very much. Yeah, right. And so, like, because you know, so until I think they've been used to, like, again, you know, you every time it seems like Washington plays the Giants, they're in that that mode, like, oh, they could go one way or another, and then they come out and they play this good game against Washington, and it kickstarts something good. It seems like it's been like that for a decade. So I don't think anybody counts anything for this team. I think where they are, though, Jordan, I think there's a uh, a cautious optimism about Sam Howell that maybe he could be at least a quality starter in this league. And, you know, but I just think, like, defensively, they've given up so many big plays. They haven't played consistent that it leads people to very, be very – to remain skeptical of where they're at and where, they're, okay. where they can go. We'll get to Sam Howell in a minute here. But first – one of the guys protecting him, our guy Nick Gates, who yep. obviously spent the, the start of his career with the Giants. They didn't really want him. You know, they wanted him back at basically minimum salary. Uh, he signs with Washington. How's he doing? The Giants offensive line obviously struggling mightily over here. Could use Nick Gates. 
you know, in a variety of spots at, at times this year. So uh, give, give us a quick rundown on what's going on with Nick Gates and that offensive line. So there are a couple of things. First of all, the dude loves showing his gut. Yeah. I don't I think I don't think we've got a day. I mean, that's his brand. That's his I don't think we've got a day since camp open without seeing his gut. Doesn't matter where it just he loves that. He's like, you got the hairs. He's a very colorful guy. But what he's added for them is a toughness the along the He's gonna fight Iron Dotto. Like correct. Like one. and it's funny because like I asked him one time, you know, they 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 practice against the Ravens and there was a little bit of a skirmish, and I talked to him after, afterwards. He's like, I like to walk up that up to that line and let oh, yeah. the other person cross it. Well, Nick Nick kind of steps over that line a few times too. But I think they could. I think they needed that, and it's more so like it's not always about the success of their blocking as much as it is how to shut out the outside noise and like just like well, let's give a big f you to the whole group and let's just do this. He's. I mean, I love dealing with the guys. Very good. But as a player, I think he's been up and down, and I think some. But I think he's the starting at center, correct? He's starting at center. Okay. Um, so I think there there have been a couple of times he's had some missteps, and other times are like that. He's he's shows that nastiness, and I think they needed that. So I'd say up and down, but I don't look at him as like the big problem on that line. Right. Or he's not a liability, which the Giants, no, by the way, have no, had plenty of liabilities. Right. That's. Right, and he's so, not a Pro Bowl center, but he's not no. the reason why they've struggled up front. He's a starting NFL center, correct? Right. An average starting NFL center. Yep. I mean, and, and, anyway, but at times just, he's been better, but you know, he obviously had that major and, injury, major, major, major injury. Right, and as you know, he's a fun guy to deal with, and awesome. Guy. Like I said, the best. <laughs> he's he's a personality. Yeah. Okay. So now we look at Sam Howe. What's the what's the sack total up to? It's 28, 28, 29. What do you have? We're over 30 now? 31? 34. 34. 34. Yeah. Makes it seem like Daniel Jones has not been sacked this year. Who Daniel Jones, by the way, is at 28. But still tell me, how much of it is the offensive line? Because I watch and I see Sam Howell holding the ball forever. I'm like, hey, why do I mean the line's probably not good. It's not great, but it doesn't look horrible. But, man, he's just holding the ball forever. And the flip side is, though, Sam Howell is making throws at times. Like, he'll make some tight windows, nice throws. And so what? what is – what's the, the disconnect there and why there's so many sacks? Well, I think you just summed it up because he does hold the ball a long time. It was an issue for him at North Carolina in college. And he's used to being able – he can make plays with his legs – and he made them in college. The difference here is you see him sometimes trying to squeeze through a little gap that looks like there might be an opening that he could go. If he gets out of there, it's 15 yards picking it up. But it's a little bit different in the NFL than in, in the ACC. And I think he's getting used to it. And he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not, you know, Justin Fields with a certain level of quickness to get out of that. He's a good athlete, but he can, he can, he's tough. But he's not getting out of there. And, and he does hold the ball too long. I think the awareness that they always talk about that internal clock. And sometimes what you'll see too is he'll drop to a certain depth and the tackles have to block to that depth. Well, when you get to that point and, and if you're just standing at that depth the whole time, the tackles eventually are going to lose. And that's what's happened a few times too, where, you know, step up a little bit in the pocket when you're in that, you get to that drop step, you got to step up a little bit. And that's where some of that, pocket awareness I think he's still developing but he when he's decisive he throws a really nice ball and I think that there's that's why there's cautious optimism with him because 
he has a lot of very positive traits that you want in a quarterback. And, you know, it's the toughness, the 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 studying, the work ethic, et cetera. I saw how Kirk Cousins went from being a fourth round pick to being, you know, one of the richest quarterbacks ever following that same traits, but he also got rid of the Rich ball during not the, the best. I love that. I love that explanation, by the way. Yes. Yes. But, but I think Howell has some of that and he is tough. He does have a good arm, but if you can cause him to delay a little bit, you will get home. And, you know, it's funny because the line, it's not a great line. The tackles, Andrew Wiley is not a great tackle. He's a right tackle. Charles Leno, their left tackle. He's okay. Um, but it's a line that if you had, if you had a veteran quarterback, you know, who knows how to get rid of the ball, you're not having this sack total and the line looks different. But having said that, I think where this organization failed is you knew you had a young quarterback. You know the guy's going to hold the ball a little bit longer because it's what he's done and it's part of who he is. Plus, he's young and they didn't build a stronger line in front of him to give him that little bit, little bit extra time that he might need at this point in his development. So I think it's it's a combo of all of that, but it does start with he's got to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker, and there are times you know where it's certainly available and, and to get to the check down maybe a little bit earlier. But the dude is tough. He runs. The problem is he runs a little bit like a linebacker, and he's got that mentality. And so that's the stuff where at the, it's not just this – right, it's not just the sacks, it's the hits. I went back and looked at all of his runs – um, he's had like 15, 16, 17, going into the Atlanta game, 15 runs. And probably on nine of them, he's been hit pretty good at the end of it. So it's not just the sacks where he's getting hit. Yeah, that's how you get injured. Uh, so obviously an opportunity for the Giants to get after Sam Howell in this game and Wig Martindale's defense. On the flip side, because this is the thing with the Giants, if you're able, your pass rush is just good enough and you win and dominate up front, they can't run offense. I mean, that's basically what's happened here early this season. Where's Washington at defensively? Are they at? Is are we? Is there the possibility in this game that that defensive line with you know Chase Young, uh, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, where they just dominate to to I believe Montez Sweat, right? Mm-hmm. That they just dominate to the point where the Giants are not able to function and run offense. Well, that's that's obviously the hope. The one thing where they run into trouble. If you have a guy who can be mobile in the pocket, then they leave gaps because they're not the most disciplined pass rush team. All these guys think they can go make a play. So they'll get out of their lanes at times and leave that little opening. So then if you can make a play with your feet or get outside and then make a play with your arm, you have a chance for some big plays because the secondary has given up. I think they've given I don't know for sure, but I, I think going in last week, they've probably given up as many more plays of 25 yards or more, more pass plays, of 25 yards or more than anybody else. So they've had issues down the field. Jalen Hyatt. Exactly. And so that's something to watch out for. But, you know, I would, I would, I would expect them to use a spy, regardless of who's at quarterback, at least on occasion, because they've been doing that. And they even use it against Desmond Ritter at times on last week. So I would expect some of that. But I do think that like you, they should, based on what the Giants have up front right now, if they don't dominate, then they don't deserve, they don't dominate that group. They don't deserve to win because you have four first round picks on your side and you have a struggling all, all line over here. You need to dominate and put them in position, whether it's Tyrod Taylor or Daniel Jones, if he comes back to, to win that game. 
and can they? But you know, um, so that but that's where they're vulnerable. The lack of discipline up front with the pass rush does it create an ability for him to get outside the pocket and make some plays? Obviously, this is a big game for who's going to finish in the last place in the NFC East this year, right? If Washington wins, the Giants pretty much uh, are headed in that direction, and you know, I would say have it locked up. But they are certainly uh, heavy, heavy favorites for that. They win the game, though. Then the teams are, you know, in this in the same vicinity. Giants two and five, and Washington three and four. Would that would this be considered a massive disappointment if this team is in the running with the Giants for last place in the division? Like, or is that okay? We we know we're kind of not very good. No, I think, it'd be very, I think it'd be a very big disappointment, especially given the state of the Giants right now and the way they're playing. And I mean, last year they were both in a race for the last place. But Washington was eight, eight, and one in in last place. So right. it wasn't it wasn't like this. They were in their one game away from getting to third, where they both one of them would have made the playoffs, right? So it's a. But this year, I think the way the Giants are playing and the expectations for why here's a couple of things, Jordan. With the fan base is tired of weighing in. I don't blame them. I mean, it's been forever since they've seen a quality, consistent product. So that you start with there. Then you have a new owner who's judging this operation. And you have a coaching staff in its fourth year, and they haven't finished with the winning record yet. They won the NFC East in 2020, but no winning record yet. They need to do better than just stumble along with a win one, lose one, lose two, win one, and then go you know win seven or eight games. They'll be gone. There, there's no reason to bring them back at that point. So they, so there would be a, it would be a big disappointment, especially because two weeks ago they gave the Bears their first win. And they looked bad for a half. They looked okay for the second half, but you go by the full game and they look like garbage in the first half. So if you don't win this game, I think there would be a disappointment. They have a chance. If they win this game, they have the Eagles at home. The next week, they took them to overtime and they went toe-to-toe with them. But the game after, here's the thing. They go to New England, who's also struggling. So you have a chance to get beat two struggling teams the next three weeks Yeah. if you take care of business. And if not, you don't deserve the... You know, then Josh Harris, the new owner, is going to be, you know, you say, okay, the clock's now ticking. Period. Yeah, as an outsider, it seems hard to believe that Josh Harris is going to want to stick with Ron Mediocrity Rivera. You know, I mean, that's, Not, what, that's, that's like sort of, that's just sort of what it, we brings to the table here. I mean, that, yeah. a, a consistently fairly extensive track record of being uh, mediocre. Correct. Right. And I think, you know, if you, so to me, the only way, the way this, the way this staff can turn, can stay around, the, to me, almost, and, Nobody's told me a figure, but you mm-hmm. you better win to make it safe. Win ten games in a playoff and have Sam Howell look like the guy that you think you can develop for a couple of years. That Good young, luck. well, right, ex- that Good exactly. Luck. It's it's not it's a, it's not a you know, right now. You can't say it's a high percentage of that, yeah. but that's the scenario that they need to then return. Short of that, I think like you know Josh Harris is not a guy. He's a patient guy. He's you know the process in Philly. But he also knows how to set up an organization and what a winning one needs to look like. And if you're not showing that now, you know, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to return. Right. The process in Washington is going to be a process with his people in place, let's be fair. So, John, I have a suggestion for you. So every week we have to do, uh, I think it's the home writer does, you know, one thing to watch and it's the visitor that does the ball prediction. Do I have that right or do I flip it around? I think it's, I think we, I, we, I, the visitor does the bold prediction, which yes. So I'm not a fan of bold predictions, by the way. I have one for you here. All right, let's go. Give it to me. They're going to tie. Oh my God. 
they're going to tie. Can you just slip my wrist now? It happened before, right? I know. It happened before. It's going to happen again. You reminded me. I totally forgot for a second until you said they finished 8-8-1. Eight, eight, yeah. Yeah, that was predicted. Predicted time. Predicted. All right. All right. I, when, listen, would it's anybody be appropriate with these two teams? Would, I would say, would anybody be surprised? Nobody would be happy. Everyone would come away ticked off saying, we, you know, how do we tie the, the, I almost say the R word every time. How do we tie the commanders? The commanders come away thinking, how do we tie the Giants? And he's happy. Right. And like, even last Perfect. year, I still look at that like, how did they, not, and I'm sure Giants fans are going to say, say the same thing. Like, how, well, for Washington fans, like, how did they not beat the Giants at least once? I mean, they, you know, it wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like, they were yeah. they were even. They were even teams. The Giants have think tied twice. The FC East. They should have tied twice. Right. They have success over the past decade against Washington. It's like the yeah, only team they have success in the division against. If I were a gambler, I would not have a house right now because of the money I would have lost. Like, because you go into these games, like, you look yeah. at the Giants, you're like, okay, they're struggling going into this game. And then the headline on Monday is always, have the Giants turned their season around? <laughs> if only they could play Washington for 17 games a season. Unfortunately, they do not. And let me tell you this. Like, it was tough this year. Don't subject us to that punishment. Oh, yeah. 17 games with that? No, oh, yeah. no, thank you. No, oh, thank you. It's bad enough. We got to watch this twice a year. It is a weird. It is a weird thing. And the Giants have done well, and Daniel Jones has done very well against them. And I can tell you, like this fan base here is kind of tired of that, and I don't blame them. I mean, they're tired of a lot of things, and I don't blame them on any of it because it's been forever since they've been pretty good. We'll see if it happens again on Sunday. Finally, a one p.m. game. Giants fans, see you there, John. Look forward to it. All right, on to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured... It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, let's wrap this episode up with a little quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to work for ESPN, cover the Giants, or cover the NFL in general. And I'm sure I've actually told this story before, but I think it's... Uh, relevant now to circle back because Justin Pugh is back with the Giants and he's actually probably going to start and start at left tackle likely this week. So let me explain to you the interactions I've had with Justin Pugh over the years and the, the time that we didn't talk for about a year, year and a half. And here's the story behind that. Okay. We're fine now, by the way, but uh, let me lay it out. So Justin Pugh is the kind of guy that you had to talk to in the locker room. He was sort of the 
representative for the offensive line for quite a while. And the offensive line took a lot of heat for years here with the Giants. Little did we know back then their offensive line was actually better than it is the last few years here. Uh, but he was the guy you had to talk to. I had a very strong relationship with him, right? He, I, he came in pretty much around the time that I came in and started covering the Giants as well. Uh, so I came in in the middle of 2013. He came in in 2013, right, uh, as a first-round pick out of Syracuse. And so for the next few years, he was always the guy you had to go to. But they're playing Eagles one week. And he told a story about how he hates the Eagles, right? He still loves Philly. That's where he's from, from that area. But he hates the Eagles. But the quote he used was, I hate Philly. He didn't say, I hate the Eagles. So the whole story was about how he hates the Eagles. You know, still from Philadelphia, still has ties there. But that he hates the Eagles. But the, the actual quote that was put in the headline by my boss was, Justin Pugh, I hate Philly. So then he would get crap from all his friends from every time, every time he went back home. So he was ticked. And right away he reached out to me and he's like, yo, what the hell? I hate Philly. Because I don't hate Philly. I hate the Eagles. And I was like, I know. What are you talking about? Because I was driving home. He's like, it says, I hate Philly. That's the headline. And so he was pissed to the point where he didn't want to talk to me. Like he, he, and he was like, you know, that's your fault. That's your fault. And I, get, I was like, I get it. I didn't write the headline. He's like, yeah, but your name's on it. It's your story. And I was like, I get it. I got to take, take the brunt of it. I got to take the blame. Like, it, it's on me, right? And so, essentially, we didn't talk for a good year, year and a half. We're in a good place now, I will tell you that. We're in a much better place now than we were at that time. I mean, this is probably, what, 20... I'm still at NJ, NJ.com at the time. So it's pre-2016. It's probably 2015. That's probably what it is. It's probably that 2015 season. The last time, by the way, he actually played uh, tackle for a significant amount of time. But it took till the 2016-2017 season to kind of iron that out and get back to the point where we would uh, be able to have conversations. And then over the years, he left and uh, still kept in touch with him at times, you know, rebuilt that relationship a little bit. Now, you know, we are on more than serviceable terms. So uh, Justin Pugh, legitimately one of the good guys. The fact that he came up with straight off the couch too, not that surprising. He he has he's a sharp guy to and and funny. And he has that sense of humor. So to be able to come up with that, uh you know what? Not really surprised at all. How about that? Not even the slightest. And now if you're him, you definitely capitalize off that, right? You hear him getting props from all over the place. The Kelsey's uh podcast is giving him props. Uh, all these former offensive linemen are coming out. He said he had three to 400 text messages when he was done with the game. Either were people telling him, like, you know, proud of you to be back playing left tackle or just like, dude, that was hilarious. Oh, Golick, I believe, uh, Golick Jr., he was, you know, giving Justin Pugh props for that as well. So, yeah, uh, it was it was a smart move, A, because it was funny, and B, business-wise. For Justin Pugh moving forward. So uh, we're back in good graces. I know you're worried. You were worried about that or not. Anyway, 
You know what? We're going to have Justin Pugh on this podcast in the next few weeks. I promise you that. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time.